0: It's something that goes back generations and generations ago. The key to that is survival. If you know what's coming up in the future and you can prepare for it, that guarantees survival to the next day and passing the genes to the next generation. If you don't have that ability and stuff, if you're living in the ancestors uh, and, um, you know, Part of the ancestors get the idea that uh, there's going to be a, a saber toothed tiger that's going to be munching on one of you. And, you know, six guys in a group get, get the message. The seventh guy never got the message, never got the memo. He's going to be cat food. <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Rational Mystic Podcast, I'm your host Jim Webb, and today I have the honor of sharing my interview with David Wallace. David is a man that's almost impossible to summarize in just a short set of words. His history, his background, and experience is just so wide, so I'm going to do my best. But as a psychic practitioner, David is a professional remote viewer, he's a certified Reiki master, and he's also a psychic innovator, he's someone who uh, took it upon himself to develop his own energy healing systems. Uh, in addition to all that, um, David is a author, he's written several books, including The Journey of Our Souls, where he talks about his own experiences, learning about his psychic abilities as a child, and developing those psychic abilities through the context of four, four near-death experiences. In addition to that, he's also written a set of fictional narratives around a character called Anna Blaze, Rift Jumper. And this is a series of books that he's written and writing with his wife, Ellen, that talks about the journeys of a young girl as she encounters her own psychic abilities. Professionally, David has been a firefighter. He's been a police officer. He has been a public educator for over 25 years. And as a native Hawaiian, his experiences and his psychic abilities are deeply rooted in the cultural and traditions of his ancestors and his people. Beyond all that... David is just an amazingly warm and wonderful individual to speak with. He is a masterful storyteller and someone whose infectious sense of humor just carries across, I think, as you'll see in the interview. Uh, David shares in this interview his insights with us on developing your own psychic practices, finding your path and purpose in life, and then also his own personal philosophy on how can we put psychic uh, practice and psychic ability in service to those we love in meaningful and pragmatic ways so i found his his insights to be very deep and very um a uh, great deal of value to me and i hope you all enjoy listening to this to kind of joke in, in talking about some of the folks who have uh, been having these experiences and doing psychic work and, and really being a resource to their community you know one of the things that that always interests me is is how do we all get started in this and you know can't kind talk about superhero origin stories i thought yours was just amazing um but also in reading your book um you know, starting off, kind of coming out of a car at high speed <laughs> sounded like <laughs> people wouldn't want to start this way. So maybe you know, we could start off there, David, and just talk a little bit about how how did this happen? Where you got in, involved in, and realized that you had these gifts?
0: Well, first of all, um, I grew up on the island of Molokai, and the island of Molokai was the most spiritual of, of all of the Hawaiian islands. In fact. Um, the kahunas or the experts in spirituality and in different practices uh, from all of the islands used to come to Molokai to learn their craft. And so it was, a, it was like a school, a university for the training of these people with special powers. And not too far from my home, um, you know, about maybe five miles away from my home, there's a place near the airport. And I, I was told that uh, there was an entrance exam to one of these training places, and uh, the family would come with their little kid, uh, about five, six years old, still little kid, and they would bring a kid. Uh, they bring a pig with them, and they tie the pig to a stake, and the has wait, and they they tell the a little boy or girl to uh, concentrate on a pig until the pig dies Oh, <laughs> really? uh, the kid would do that and says okay and uh the pig would fall over and and die uh you know it, It reminds me of uh, the movie that uh, the Hawaii Remote Viewers Guild people was involved in uh, called uh, Men Who Stares at Goats.
1: I was was having the same thought, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. But these were little kids. And uh, the Hawaiians would observe and watch children at a very young age. And if they showed any type of power or an inclination for something... Um, They would take the kids and train them from the time they were young. And um, so, and the way they were trained was more like a, um, (laughs) actually, Jedi mode, yeah? (laughs) 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 One-on-one, you have a master and a Padawan or whatever. And so, it it was very similar to... to the Hawaiian way of training where you have one master with one student for a bit, and you learn all you could from a master, and it was your job to uh, not only learn everything that the master could uh, could teach you, but also to develop something new, a new twist, <laughs> yeah, to, uh, to things. So um, that's the island I grew up in. You know, and it's surrounded by um, the energy in the island, uh, encourages a lot of strange things. In fact, when I used to talk to my cousins and relatives who grew up here on Oahu, they couldn't relate to half of the things I saw and experienced on Molokai. <laughs> so that's the setting. Okay. And uh, this accident that happened when I was five years old, um, my brother and I were sitting in the back seat and we we're playing and he kicked me <laughs> and I flew from one side of the car to the next. And right when my aunt, my aunt was driving the car and I reached back to try and save myself from you know, falling and I reached and I grabbed the handle for the uh, the door. And the old door, car doors, you pull down to open. Not pull up or pull out. So you, you push it down and the door open. And that's what happened. And I fell out of the car. So I remember falling backwards and trying to avoid falling. And the next thing I know, I popped out of my body. Mm. And, and so... Uh, as kind of popped out of my body and started looking around, I, I didn't know. I thought I was I was floating you know, in the air. and I looked around and everything was different. Um, the colors were bright. the environment looked real vibrant, you know and um kind of too bright. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it looked fake to me you know, like it, it wasn't real. This sounds like and, in the
1: in the people who've had these experiences, that that's a common attribute, isn't it, that they say that it seems even more, more vibrant and real than yeah. the normal and,
0: sense. Yeah, because we are in normal normalized and naturalized when we see, well, you know, a tree, a grass, whatever, but um using the spiritual eye, when you when you look at something and you see not only the the physical, but also the spiritual, the the essence of the plants, the essence of the creatures around and they're bright <laughs> you know so it's kind of overpowering and the colors are different and um and greener than green <laughs> you know and bluer than blue uh I, I it's really difficult to explain but uh the when i was floating around i also noticed that there were shadows moving around and for some reason, I felt afraid, and it was this fear that triggered uh, my ancestors to come in and get me, <laughs> and, t- and they took me to a safe place.
1: Now, I, f- I found this part of your and I have to mention, we-, we talked about this before I hit the record button, but um, this is all in uh, your Journey of Our Souls book that you, you uh, captured some of these stories. It's just a- an amazing book. Um, But one of the things that really interested me is when you talked about your first uh, uh, near-death experience is that there was a trickster element to some of this. So, you know, uh, when you sound like when you had this experience as a child, your ancestors, in addition to to, uh, pulling you and protecting you, they were protecting you, not only moving you to a different space, but also protecting you for some other spirits that seemed to be there. So I wonder if is that something
0: you might be willing to share? Sure, the Hawaiians call this trickster for It's uh, Lapu-Lapu-Kolohe. <laughs> I'm very glad you said that because I wrote it down, but there's no one <laughs> Yeah, Lapu-Lapu-Kolohe. Uh, a Lapu-Lapu is a spirit or ghost, okay? And Kolohe means rascal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so these Lapu-Lapu-Kolohe are the ones that... Um, they are, um, some people believe they're uh, disembodied spirits, uh, spirits of um, former living people who pass on. They know they're dead. Okay, they know they're dead, and uh, their ancestors didn't claim them. Mm. And because their ancestors didn't claim them, they haven't. Uh, transition to the next world so they're mad they're angry and um they they want to see other spirits (laughs) uh caught in the same situation because uh the hawaiians have a saying um they call this uh, the crab in a bucket syndrome Hmm. you ever went crabbing i have not yeah well if you go crabbing Uh, we go at nighttime and uh, we walk in shallow water and we walk around with nets and a bucket and we catch a crab, put them in a bucket, catch them. If you put one crab in a bucket, the crab can probably crawl out and escape. You put two crabs, three crabs. You can even fill the entire bucket up with, with crab, fill them right up to the top. None of the crabs will escape. You know why? Why? As soon as one begins to make it over the top, another one grabs it and says, where are you going? <laughs> 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 you grab onto him and hold on. And pull so it pulls yeah. you back down in a bucket. So we call it the alamihi crab or the, the crab in a bucket where um, in, in our society, in many societies, once a person begins to show promise to get out of a bucket and raise above themselves, above the peers, the peers will re ankle back down. <laughs> so, um, and that explains uh, who these Lapu Lapu Kolohe are, are, are. They're miserable spirits and misery loves company. So they they want as many as people to, you know, not make it to the next. So my ancestors came to um, make sure that I didn't mingle and go with uh, with this group, because at first they can at first they can entice you with a lot of different things like um, I think I told you about food. I was hungry (laughs) in the room. Yeah, Uh, I was hungry. I was thirsty, and my ancestors didn't have anything to give me to eat (laughs) or water to drink. And but these guys on the outside of the little room, when my ancestors took me to a safe, the safe room, um, these. Guys the tricksters were giving me plate lunch, <laughs> you know, open it up, get in and nice food, and said, come, come. So um I wanted to join them, but that's one of the plays that they use. Yeah.
1: And the, and they some of them look like your family members, right? Some of them actually yeah, tried to yeah. have an appearance that was that was familiar to you to
0: yes. And um, that's where you know we're we're caught. Um, although spirits may look like the ancestors, um, you know the the tricksters can take any shape and any form. Um, sometimes they not only appear as humans, but they appear at different things in uh, in nature. It can be a tree, it can be birds, or whatever. So just be cautious um, when when something out of the ordinary appears in front of you and, uh, question it, you
1: know, don't just take it for granted that something
0: Uh, shows your path that looks
1: wonderful might be something to some some good cautionary tales. Yeah. Well, I think, I think David, you mentioned after you had this experience in your book, then you started to have it, it all turned on for you, right? Like you started to, um, I think you, you mentioned like even being in the hospital when you had just come out of this experience, which, you know, I guess you you can kind of laugh about it now, but talking about the tricksters and this whole experience being a kid and having to deal with this. But I think you mentioned in your book that as soon as you came out of this, you began to encounter spirits and and uh, what we might call angels, like that they were you were beginning to witness with with that spirit vision, being able to see that there were uh, benevolent entities that were that were uh, moving through the hospital. Is is that is that right? Was that
0: that's correct? Uh- and in fact, uh early my earliest experience, uh my first experience seeing um spirits right, were the angels. And they're the first ones that I saw. And I, I was just banged up. <laughs> and one of one of the things that I did at home, I like to stare at the ceiling, and the ceiling had holes in it, and I would use my imagination to kind of connect the dots and uh, create different figures. It's almost like staring up at the stars at night and, uh, you know, creating your own. Try to explain uh,
1: to now when we didn't have tablets and all these things to distract us, right? wow
0: <laughs> <no, no. laughs> So we had to use our minds, right. <laughs> not a device. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And while I was staring at the ceiling as the ceiling opened up, and it was amazing because um, when the ceiling disappeared, the roof and everything disappeared. Uh, there was a ball of light, and it, to me, it looked like um, a big spotlight. And. Um, I didn't know what a UFO was. <laughs> you know, I was too, I was too young during that time, but I didn't know what a UFO was. I'm not too sure too many people were talking about UFOs at that time. I don't know. But, um, there's a ball of light and from the ball of light, there's this kind of like a light beam coming down, shining down. And that's where the, um, these people, uh, they look just like regular people coming down and into, um, into our room. And there was, a, I, I think at that time, there was a flu epidemic going on. So there were some really sick kids in there, and I was injured. I wasn't sick, so they put me on a different side part of the room. And it just so happened where I was, that's where the angels came down. Yeah. And when the angels came <clears throat> I figured they were angels because they were going to the sick people first. <laughs> these kids that were in bad shape. Um they're taking these kids and putting them in um ice bath. Oh, wow. You can hear the you can hear the nurses filling up the, the tub with uh ice and filling up with cold water and the poor kids, they put them inside, they start screaming, you know, ah! <laughs> you know <laughs> freezing themselves and um just really sad so these are the six kids the sicker kids were the ones that the angels would uh, first went to and then they kind of like spread around and there are a couple of them that came to me and uh, by then, I was hiding under the sheet.
1: <laughs> I think you left that part <laughs> out of the book, but I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was kind of like hiding under the sheet. I, I didn't want to deal with them. And I was, was kind of scared in a way. But when they left, I was sad. Whoa, where'd they go? <laughs> yeah. Did, so. did they, did they, um,
1: some people talk about coming into contact with these compassionate beings that you know almost feeling like this radiance of their of their spirit of their emotions that that may be uh, just overpowering like a sense of love did you have an experience no it's thinking back to when you were a kid and those are distant memories probably and i think i would have just like been under the covers and not even looked out. <laughs> I this happening to me. You know, i just been in an automobile you know accident and going through that trauma um, but well, i wondered
0: yeah, the, the thing about it is that when I first saw it, I was real curious, uh, real curious. And, um, but when they entered the room and started, um, putting their hands on people, the first thing I, I felt was warm. The whole room warmed up. Um, and they had air conditioning in the room the that time and it was most of the time it was freezing, but the room just warmed up. And uh, I knew these uh, people were meant well because they weren't jumping on a bed and, you know, jumping around and acting crazy, but they were kind. The way they move was real slow and methodical and uh, very graceful in a way. So they didn't want to frighten anyone. but for a kid for seeing something like that uh you know it's just kind of scary for a bit and um but while i was in a hospital i only describe i think in a book i only described the first time i seen the angels but they came back many times wow so So
1: you're in the hospital there were several visitations for this where they would come
0: yeah 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 (laughs) because um you had when the angels came within, you know, uh, forty-eight hours, uh, two, three days, the kids that were there that were sick, they're gone. They're out. They're going home, and a new batch would come in. <laughs> and for me, my injury because my skull is I is in there for a while. Wow. So when the new batches, when the new batch of kids came in, and that's something I left out of the book. But when the new batch came in, the angels would come back in. Yeah. Um
1: did the other kids perceive them at all? Did they ever say anything to make make you think that the other kids could
0: could see? Yeah, yeah. really Wow yeah and fucking um my other book that I put out um the Angels, uh, Angels and Ghosts of um Shingles Hospital. I talk about the, two of my friends, uh, a, a girl and a boy. uh they they had the flu. And in fact, um, they were there on the first day that uh, I got into the, uh, I was admitted into the hospital. But um, the boy and the girl were there and they caught different parts of the angels being inside the room. One um, One saw them while they were walking, didn't know where they came and hid under the covers. (laughs) Uh, The other one saw um, them entering the room and hid under the covers. And for me, I watched until uh, the angels started coming closer to me. (laughs) As long as they were uh, uh, by the other kids, I I didn't mind it so much. But then I realized, they're coming my way.
1: I think that's one thing uh, in your book, you talk about these experiences, you had this this accident, and then you start to have, you know, things that are occurring to you that have never occurred before. And you know, I think for, for several people I've met, and, and many of us who have had kind of experience, you think about things that happened to you as a child that you kind of maybe swept under the rug, or you think, oh, that was just childish imagination. But I know with my <laughs> own kids, you know, and, and uh, some of the experiences that, that kind of follow these things, you start paying a lot more attention when your kids are telling you things, right? That, yeah when they start telling some of these stories, but so you, you had this experience and you kind of, it seems like at a very young age and you were in the deep end of the pool, you know, you were, uh, I, I have to say like one of the parts of your book, I really enjoyed was when you began to realize, uh, your site. And, uh, you have a part that you shared where, you know, you're using it to help your friends, but also I think to look into Christmas presents, I think <laughs> I like, this is a wonderful utilization <laughs> of, uh, of psychic ability, but did you, did, um, what, did it, was it something that really was disorienting to you as a kid? like, Or w- was it a more easy adjustment for you when you began to have some of these experiences at such a young age?
0: Actually, um, I think my inclination was there. Uh, it was there in, in me, my DNA. Because uh, I come from a line of um, kahunas who were uh, visionaries, they were prophets and seers. Um, Some of the things that I'm doing now, capable of doing now, that's what they did when they were alive. So I I really feel that um, it was something already inside me waiting for something to spark it. And this accident that I had activated it. So, um, but once I started displaying it and, um, you know, trying, talking about spirits, <laughs> uh, going to movies when I was younger and um, I don't want to sit over there. My friends say, hey, Dave, go sit over there. No, I don't want. <laughs> Why don't you want to sit there? There's ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> <Everybody laughs> starts running away, you know, and yeah. Um, all these kinds of, um, you know, childhood things—things things that I could see, but nobody else could see—and it was um, trying to uh, figure out who I can trust and uh, what I can say. So I had to filter a lot of things out, and that's why um, most of the people that knew me when I was growing up, um, my cousins, especially, this is. Hey, you're a strange kid because you hardly said anything. It says yeah, because every time I open up my mouth and stuff, you guys get scared. You guys get scared. Story: The eyes get big. <laughs> you, you, you think I'm crazy, and you know? I, I don't know. You know I don't want to disturb things, but um, I was always a quiet one, watching all these things happening, moving inside our house. Um, it was amazing when I used to watch my, my dad talk to my auntie there, uh, about our um, their grandparents and great-grandparents, and um, those spirits would come. <laughs> and, you know, I talked to my dad, and I said, you know, um, you know, Tutomokeh. Tito which was uh, one of, uh, I believe, my my dad's uh, grandpa. Did he look like this? Oh yeah. So I describe him and everything. And I says, "Ask me, uh, where did you see him? Oh, you're standing by. He's watching you folks talk style with Auntie." <laughs> you know, that, that's not something um you, you want to bring up right then yeah? <laughs> scare everybody out the room so yeah things like that so
1: so i think you touch on this a little bit in your book but i'm sure you know you mentioned kind of uh when you have these experiences about who you share it with and how open you are and uh, when you talk about these things it could be a sense of isolation sometimes right because people who are not having these experiences you, you become like the sort of unusual person there. But I know you also touched on it in your book, just kind of talking about um, the different cultures you grew up in, and the different perspectives between the Mormon culture, between your Hawaiian culture, which seems like it had a lot of support for the experiences you're having in in terms of interacting with spirits. But I think it also occurred to me, you know, I don't think you call it out explicitly, but talking about some of the racism that, that existed as well. And um, I wonder, like in your experience, when you talk about some of these experiences with spirits or visions, if if that kind of perception of racism that, you know, these things that maybe were derived from Hawaiian culture were kind of looked at as, as not as modern or contemporary and, and not taken seriously. Um, it seems to me like a lot of these, our modern culture has lost touch with so much of uh, things that we had for a long time that kind of informed us about how to deal with some of these experiences. And Seemed like in your story, you really were kind of this intersection point between uh, all these different cultures and ideas and religious. So, um,
0: yeah, what's your perspective well, on that? Well, um, the word for that is syncretism. And so, and uh, you have multiple beliefs uh, from all over the place, and you, uh, you kind of like pick and choose. Uh, from these bodies of beliefs uh, certain parts where you choose to exercise yeah and so um it was um you still have to choose <laughs> you know you still have to make the choice and for me uh, growing up in a Mormon household um my my mom she comes from um, a line of uh, very faithful Mormons, um, in fact, a family, her family, part of the family was the first uh, Hawaiian converts to the Mormon church, uh, Mormon faith, and they moved to Utah uh, to live and be close to the temple. And uh, it wasn't until the Mormon church decided to build a temple here in Laie that the family decided to move back and help build that temple. So um, you know, on both sides, on the, the Mormon side and the Hawaiian side, we had people of faith, faith that exercise. You know, faith in the God, um, whether it's uh, the Christian God or the Hawaiian God, they had faith, and when they they knew when they prayed, there was someone listening to them, an entity. Uh, listening to them, that loved them, and would do everything within their power to manifest the things that they were praying for, and that's the kind of power um, my that's in my genealogy. That's the kind of family I had. So, um, if we were worshiping stone, we believed that that stone had the power to give us, you know, what we were expected, and it did. Uh, for the people that converted over to Christianity, they prayed to the Christian God and Christian God, the Christian God was able to manifest for them also. So for me, I'm looking at, well, it looks like both ways work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very pragmatic. <laughs> so why well, have to choose? I can put both of them together. <laughs> so, and uh, my grandmother, who was uh, the the person that uh, was very influential in, on my dad's side especially the Hawaiian culture preserving the Hawaiian culture the language uh, both of my grandparents could speak um fluent uh, Hawaiian except for my uh maternal grandma she spoke someone she was a someone <laughs> but uh my Grandparents on my dad's side spoke fluent Hawaiian, and they were immersed in Hawaiian practice. My uh, my maternal grandpa uh, grew up on the Big Island, you know, where the volcanoes erupting. <laughs> 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 and um, his line, and I, uh, you know, I'm connected to. Uh, It's it's some very, very powerful spiritual people. So uh, spirituality and being attached to the spirit world, it's ingrained in us. It's part of us. It's part of my DNA. So when I turn and ask my ancestors and I I turn and I ask um, God and whatever God (laughs) there is, you know, to come and help they do <laughs> from that i'm skipping Did that around. answer
1: yeah that's <laughs> good answer uh i, I found that interesting uh, uh in some of the writing that you had talking about the power of belief and faith when we uh we're jumping around your story a little bit but you know and looking at healing practices and some of the things in your, your writing that 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 is a core foundation you know that once you have that mindset that the that there are, um, there's a God or there's spirits and uh, you can connect to your ancestors. And once you open your, your door of the perce- of door perception to some of that, then that reality begins to, to come in and begins to change your life. So I find that really interesting. Yeah. Um, your story is so expansive. It's hard to choose which part of, you know, you have so many <laughs> different parts that you do, but, um, <laughs> um, I do know that even before, you, so I think one of the first practices that you mentioned, uh, David was. Really feeling having some dreams that led you to uh, Reiki, um, and um, that you had had uh, some idea that uh, that kind of this call to service of being a healer and sort of your evolution towards the role of of what um, and again forgive me if I get the bit like the Kahu role the caretaker role caretaker of of knowledge and um, is that accurate so is that one of the first things that you kind of formally trained to begin to kind of hone your skills in?
0: Yes, um, actually. Um, if you take a look at some of the careers that I've had, um, I'm a former police officer. <laughs> so uh, firefighter, police officer, and also um, my last career that I spent something like 27 years in, uh, as a teacher. Okay. So if you take a look at um, the careers that I chose, it had to do with helping people. Okay. One was uh, for the police and firemen as was to protect them. Yeah. And then my final career was um, helping people by uh, teaching them certain values that make them, you know, hopefully uh, productive citizens. (laughs) And I was a social studies teacher. So um, how to behave properly in in our society. What ages were you teaching? Um, I taught all of the ages from uh, ninth grade to 12. Uh, my last my last several years, uh, my last few years, I was teaching uh, juniors. So, and um, the classes that I taught was uh, a large, actually 25% of them were, uh, my students were special needs. I, I taught in an inclusion setting where um, I partnered up with a uh, special ed. Teacher. And uh, I'd work with um, the special needs kids, especially the autistics, Uh, kids with autism. They seem to trust me for some reason. (laughs) But um, that role, like taking care of especially the young kids, the young generation, and teaching them and trying to be a role model to them, that seemed to be really important. And um, when I started on the path of becoming a healer, <clears throat> um, I did that mainly after studying who my ancestors were and the primary thing that they did. Like most of the kahunas, although they're, um, you know, kahunanui and advising the kings and things like that, their primary role was healing you yeah, know um helping helping people heal whatever and um our society the ancient society was a warrior society so um there would be a lot of injuries <laughs> so um and in a warrior society you have to not only learn how to fight and uh you know disable a person uh you have to learn how to heal them Because on a field of battle, you may be facing your brother, Mm -hmm. your father, your close relative. And when the battle is over and peace is made, you have to contend with them. So as long as the battle is fine, you you do your best to try and kill each other. But once the war is over, you do your best to try and heal each other Mm -hmm. until the next time. <laughs> we realize we're very grateful to live in the age that we are, at least. <laughs> so, yeah. um So, when I started realizing that these guys were healers and primary healers, and even as my job as a teacher, I was a healer because the kids would come in with me and talk to me about their problems they're having at home. And I'd sit and counsel them and, you know, try and help them. And that's part of the healing process. Yeah. And so I prayed and I asked my ancestors, I said, you know, you folks are healers and I want to be like you. Show me what I need to learn in order to be like you. And the answer I got is uh, there's nobody that can teach you (laughs) what we know. But there's small little bits and pieces that um, you can learn how to piece it together. I mean, you go on good mind. <laughs> your, your pole, the head, is working really good. And uh, you're clever enough. If we point you in the right direction, you can figure it out. So the first thing they did is show me hands in a dream. <laughs> this ancestor mind command, boy, look, <laughs> remember. And that was it. <laughs> and I go, you I get one that? clue. <laughs> <That was it. laughs> yeah. You know, you don't have, can I call a friend? <laughs> 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 you know, there, there's no, there's no clues to that. And I had to figure that out. And um, finally, I got the answer looking through Penny Saver, one of those newspapers. Um that had advertisement, and I, flipping through it, and I saw a small box ad, two hands right there, and I looked at it and I go, oh, "Wow, what is this?" And so I saw Reiki, what it was, and so I started researching, reading up what Reiki was, and I go, "Wow, you know, this this sounds really interesting." So I went to um, I went to the um, demonstration and I had frozen shoulder, hmm. my right shoulder. I couldn't even lift my arm up. <laughs> and so the lady was a Reiki master and uh, she asked for volunteer. So I said, I go up. <laughs> so she put her hand on me and she was talking. And, you know, uh, when when you first get into this uh, you, you have these uh, misconceptions like you know lights and flashes and everything's supposed to happen when when these miracles occur but that, uh, uh, <laughs> you know i'm sitting over there nothing's happening i don't feel anything i don't even feel worn from my hand and so when she was done she just at me and said okay i can go sit down and I, I i walked back to my seat and i was disappointed i was ready to walk out then I moved my shoulder, and it sounded like bubble wraps going, popping. And I go, so I move them again and even more. And this time I could more move my arm even more. And finally, I lift my hand up, and all this cracking inside of her, just crunching. And so I left the room, and I went out, and I did the walking with the hand. See, I can lift my hand all the way up now, but I, I walked up the wall, and as soon as my hand went up on the wall, even more cracking, and I, I started moving my shoulder, rotating it, and there was no pain, and uh, I, to experiment with it, if I had some power in my right, I grabbed a water bottle, <laughs> and I flew them across the, the parking lot like a football, and that. Thing had to snap and power behind it i came inside from the um i came from the outside and uh the reiki master was still teaching i said sign <laughs> out." <laughs> so that's how i became involved in reiki and uh, became a reiki master and learning about reiki actually helped me understand um the energy world better and as I started um, studying Reiki, a lot of the beliefs of energy, the flow of energy, the movement of energy um, matches up with uh, Hawaiian practices of mana. <laughs> you know, and so, so they're so really we're talking you, about the same thing.
1: Your ancestors were guiding you to to a, a practice that they had, had just through a different route and a different tradition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing back doors (laughs) i came in in through the back door (laughs) so i have no no normal questions right this is one just fascinates me with your story and having talked to other people who've engaged in their psych in psychic function and psychic ability but you know sometimes you look at these these things that are happening like these synchronicities very unlikely things in in life and i have to say you know i um i've I've been doing i just got started in remote viewing and but once you start using psychic function, your life becomes very strange. You have all these things that seem so unlikely, at least in my experience. And, and so I wonder, you know, looking at your story, and I think I know the answer to this, right? So it's a softball pitch. <laughs> sure enough, you, you, you really begin to feel like that the guiding hand of, of some other force. That, that And I think for you and your story, a lot, of, a lot of this has been this interaction with your ancestors, the desire for them to see you grow to your full potential. And so uh, do you still feel that, 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 uh, you know, it seems to me like it comes in waves, like sometimes this crazy stuff will happen and you can't even believe that life is doing these things and lining stuff up and then kind of the wave subsides and it's, it's still for a little bit and then it picks back up again. But I'm just, just curious, is that, does that seem to happen a lot for you? You have these periods of your life where you just feel like it's, it's, you're kind of looking back at where you started and where you ended up just this amazing journey. Right.
0: Yeah, well, I always caution my, my students to be careful what you pray for. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Because if you pray for strength or you pray for uh, better sight in your remote viewing practice, guess what's going to happen? You're going to face an obstacle that you're going to have to ever- overcome so that you can develop the strength inside you. God or your ancestors is not going to step up for you. They're going to let you solve this problem by yourself. That way you get the strength. They have the strength and the knowledge. They want you to be like them. So they're going to leave you alone and let you suffer (laughs) and go through hardship and go through frustration until... You get it, right? And so these natural, you know, peaks and valleys, you know, these natural peaks and valleys and stuff occur. And actually, you learn more about who you are and your abilities when you're at your lowest low. What kind of person are you? Are you going to give up just because you've been failing a thousand times Guess what? Feel another thousand times and pick yourself up. You know, um, my ancestors—they're tough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you actually ask my ancestors. Well, oh, teach me how to swim. They take you out on a canoe in the middle of the ocean and throw you over the canoe and right. swim. <laughs> 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 so these these peaks and valleys and stuff on, especially when we're struggling. That's when we learn the most. Mm. yeah. And um, we begin to find the uh, the mana within ourselves. And, um, you know, the Christians have a saying, God helps those who help themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, if you keep on praying and you're relying on God to help you every step of the way, you're not going to learn anything it's a time when you learn how to walk by yourself and carry your load by yourself when you start learning. And that's, um you know, that's what happens. So even me, um, you know, I'll get, you know, I, I'm a pre-COG pro. <laughs> I get paid for um, making predictions on the um standard and poor 500 uh, ETF. So, Even on those and stuff, I run into streaks where I'll get 10 in a row right and then fizzle out five in a row wrong. (laughs) It's just like,
1: I just, I just have to say, when it comes to anyone who's a psychic practitioner, I have to point this out because this, what you just said, David, is so important to me. But you hear some people and they just make out like everything that they ever do in the psychic world is just this. Uh, continual accuracy that is not the case i think no, of, <laughs> you know and we have to tell people like if they, if we're advising people to be very careful that we understand that there there's the there's always noise but there's always a fluctuation sometimes too that i don't think any of us quite yeah. understand but i, <laughs> I appreciate you what well, you say in that what you just and, and also uh,
0: go ahead
1: yeah it, uh, it's, I, I' really like what your your narrative there because you know I think some people believe you put those prayers forward or you're manifesting something that thing is just zapped down from heaven like a lightning bolt and you're just giving it for free but I think your, your story is the story of the struggle it's the story of the the dark night sometimes that has to uh, that you yeah. have to that you yourself have to change to be able to receive that thing that you are are seeking yeah just,
0: yeah wise. because um you know you when you struggle you're building a, a stronger foundation you know, and actually uh, when you struggle and you overcome adversity you know, and you conquer your fears, <laughs> conquer your doubts. And after that, you move on to a new level of understanding where uh, no longer are you thinking or feeling, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, so that's you know. where you want to be. And um, in, in a way, the ancestors my ancestors and even God is encouraging you to be that person. You know, a, a lot of Christians, when I, when I hear them say, be God-like, be more God-like, be more Christ-like and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I share with them some of the miracles that, you know, I've been able to perform. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to do that. He says, well, didn't you tell me to be more God and Christ-like? See, yeah. Said, didn't they work miracles? Yeah. He says, so why can't I? <laughs> so if, if you guys want me to be more God-like and more Christ-like, why can't I work miracles?
1: Yeah. And I'm not good at quoting the Bible, <laughs> but I believe that you know Jesus <laughs> said, "You're going to do all that I do and, and more." Right? That there, there's a, he's uh, yeah. basically that. Um. Well, I hope you I, I talked to you beforehand when we got in this to record this and you said I could ask you anything. So
2: sure <laughs> about
1: learning. And and so for, for those of us who are maybe having precognitive dreams or we have practices where sometimes we can see glimpses of our own future or a future of those we love and care about. You had a story you shared in your in your book, and um, it really struck me because um, I think you had had a precognition about a friend um, that you ended up. That you ended up losing, and you know it really made me thoughtful when you start to have some of these intuitions about things. What do we do with those intuitions, and what should we do with them? And um, I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about that a little bit, but I thought it was just a really um, a hard story, but maybe some really important lessons for those of us who are, who are in this practice and working on this.
0: Yeah, actually, I share two stories uh, of these um, prophetic dreams that I had, both both involving policemen. Um, the first one was my friend Charlie and uh, he and I were uh, firefighters uh, on the island of Molokai and we decided to take the fire, uh, the police test and we passed it and we got accepted into the police academy. And so I had a bad dream about him. Um, I saw myself uh, standing in a uh, on a guard, like on a guard, In a police uniform, there was a black tape across my badge. And uh, it was really odd because I didn't even get out of recruit school yet. (laughs) And I was getting, um, you know, dreams of being in an an honor guard. And so we're standing in line and I look around, there's other people with me. I didn't recognize any of them at the time. But... um, Actually, I did recognize it. Yeah, I was already on Maui. We were already, in, uh, yeah. Um, there were some people, um, in the honor guard and stuff, they were all rookies. We were all uh rookies. So there's three rookies on one side, three on the other side, and the sergeant, uh, was uh, a sergeant I didn't care for, <laughs> but the rest of the cops that were there, it was just loaded with cops, and them I didn't recognize. And um, we were told to stand in line, and we marched up to this uh, large building, and when we entered the building, it was a funeral. And um, we were asked to a uh, post next to a casket, a white casket, kind of like a grayish-white casket. And so my post was uh, next to the head, <laughs> the head portion. And my cousin was posted uh, near the feet. But while uh, someone was giving, opening a prayer, I heard someone snoring inside the casket. <laughs> and the casket lit open up, and there was my friend, Charlie. He was sleeping in a casket. And so I tried to get him out. I said, get out of there. What you doing, you idiot? <laughs> get out. And he told me, oh, no, 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 no. Um, you know, he's okay. And uh, eventually he stayed in there in a cassock it closed. And we, uh, that ended the dream. And I I woke up crying because I, I knew it was something bad. Um, the mistake I made is um, I, I should have hunted him down. And I feel, I feel really bad about it. Um. Uh, I should have hunted him down, but during that time, um, he's real active in sports. So he was playing, um, uh, he was working, pulling a shift, but after a shift, he would go down to a softball tournament and uh play games and drink all night. The next day come back to work. <laughs> and he was doing that for almost uh, three, four days, and he wasn't getting enough sleep. And Um, I tried getting in touch with him, I left a note in his box, give me a call, I need to talk to you, but he just ignored it, I talked to the sergeant, and um, still ignored me, until finally one day I went home from work, and um, I lived in in, in a rental where there were a lot of different people there, but I'm in dead sleep, the phone rang, and I jumped out of bed, like, I knew something was wrong. I ran to the phone, and there was a dispatcher telling me that my friend, Charlie, was in the emergency room because he involved in, he got involved in an accident. So I sped up there, and uh, by the time I got there, the doctor was ready to pronounce him dead. But basically, he fell asleep at the wheel. And we um, ran off the side of the road. And collided with a tree trunk. And uh, the steering wheel, caught him on a chest and shoved him up onto the roof. And uh, when they took him out, they had to remove the steering wheel to get him out of his car. So I, I felt really bad because I should have tracked him down. And, you know, told him about the dream at least um, you know, to get some sleep. Or use caution when he's on the road.
1: Yeah. I I I know I can just listen listen to your voice and, and see your facial expression and know that you know um those memories are are still poignant and strong and yeah. you know, on my own behalf like um I had when I got began to try to develop some of this you know I had this feeling that my son was going to be in an accident and thank God he was okay but the accident came about and it made me also just very thoughtful, you know, when when you're having these flashes about how we use them. And, and um, you know, sometimes I think we run into, you know, our, our family and friends, you know, like, okay, well, this is just cra- crazy dad or, you know, this is. Um, so, you know, I think the challenge I see sometimes in myself is if I have this, how do I share it in a way that, um, you know, that, that somebody might receive it and do something useful with it. But, I thought your, your story was was one that, that probably we all share to some extent when, when we realize that psychic ability is real and precognition is real. And, um, you know, sometimes there's a burden there, right? You you feel like you have yeah. this burden uh, and responsibility yeah. Yeah. that you, somebody might perceive you in a, in a way that might even damage the friendship. You, you still want to be able to share something with them out of love and concern for them. So I don't know if you have any thoughts or advice. It sound, sounded like from you that you... Maybe after that point, you really started to share those intuitions with folks, and, and
0: uh, yeah, um, when I had the next dream involving a police officer several years later, uh, where I saw him falling from a uh, falling from a um, a tall place, uh, granite place. Um, when I had the dream, I went and talked to him the very next day. I warned him. Yeah. Um, and this time he didn't take my warning and, uh, he was caught. <laughs> you, you read that part, right? <laughs> and so, yeah. And so he didn't stop the behavior. And in fact, um, for me, I, I think, um, the warning that I gave him was, hey, whatever you're doing, stop, don't do anymore. But, um, he was too caught up you know he was too caught up in what he was already doing and um you know but that I delivered the message you know and for for me after that point uh, after charlie and where I I, sh- I could have warned him I don't know what would have happened I don't know if it would have changed but at least I gave him a fighting chance you know and I gave him a uh, fighting chance to either listen to me or ignore me. If he ignore me, and he ended up dead, that's his issue. That's his decision. A lot of times, and stuff, we worry too much about what other people think of us. And uh, if you have the gift, you need to put that aside. You need to learn how to put that aside. And I... I came to a point where I don't care what other people think about me. <laughs> you <laughs> think I'm crazy? Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you you,
0: you think I'm weird? You. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, um, it's, it is a burden and it's something that you need to learn how to deal with, you know. I appreciate you sharing your insight
1: in that and the story in that. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Um, So I I rarely, when we talk about remote viewing, there's a lot of us doing remote viewing. You and I could uh, pontificate a lot to try to explain remote viewing. You might be watching this video, but probably a lot of people will will understand it. Um, But a structured method of of clairvoyance to be able to see through space and time. And rarely do I get to say that I'm talking to a professional remote viewer. So everybody wants (laughs) to be able to occasionally get paid for it. But. Uh, I have to say, too, just uh, looking at your remote viewing background, having learned from a lot of different folks, including the Hawaiian Remote Viewing Guild, which is now there's a lot of interest and popularity looking at the HRVG methodology. But I have to say, the other great honor that I have to speak to you is... The one question we always get if people know that you're involved in remote viewing or psychic things is, well, why haven't you won the lottery? And I think you get a pretty good comeback to this, David. When <laughs> <sorry>. I did. You wanted a few. I don't want to be in this category. You go, yeah, come well. on. <laughs> so uh, I think you, you've done quite a few things in remote viewing. Is there anything you'd like to focus on or maybe talk about in in that part of your uh, evolution and, and being a, a servant and a, and a leader?
0: Well, for... For me, remote viewing has everything to do with uh, prophecy yeah? and and uh, the ability to see what's coming up by uh, in the future. And for me, um, I'm the patriarch for my family. I'm the oldest male, in, the male, uh, the oldest male in my father's line. So um, when my children or my nieces or my my siblings uh, need assistance or guidance, uh, they can call me anytime, and um, it's my job to provide them insight, okay? So uh, for for the uh, head of the family, you know, the patriarch, um, it's a special blessing uh, to have this um, foresight, the ability, second sight, so that you can see what's coming up and help uh the family avoid certain things so um i use this as an extension um to my remote viewing practice okay so uh for me remote viewing is just a uh, a way of practicing uh, my prophetic tendencies to see, be able to see hidden things or whatever but um the most important um, way of using this is counseling people mm. to make the best decisions for them, especially my family members. So um, for me, I see remote viewing as just, you know, you know, like when we go to the weight room and we start pumping iron and things like that, that's the exercises to make us strong. But um if you're using all of this time to practice and and uh, strengthen your muscles, um, when are you going to use that? Right. When are you going to use that? So for me, I see um, the all of the remote viewing that I do, chasing the lottery, uh, doing the horses, <laughs> the uh, whatever I do. Okay, that's just. The practice for when my family needs to say, hey, Dave, I have an issue um, with this. This is what's happening. I need to know what's coming up. Can you help me? Sure, sis. Let me work on that now. And that's when my actual purpose comes uh, comes to um, the forefront where I can actually operate and use my skills, you know, as the leader.
1: That's a a wonderful note because what I have noticed some people when they've gotten into remote viewing and they're running practice targets over and over again. Well, how many practice (laughs) targets can you run without starting or, or, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way because I love all these things, but you see a lot of entertainment remote viewing where you're looking at things like where's Bigfoot and all these kinds of questions. But what I love and what you just shared, David is, is, pragmatically, you know, it sounds like if you looked at the role of, of what people who had this site were using in their communities, they were to try to help people, help people you care about, help people you love. Um, and I, know, I find it kind of funny in my own family. Uh, there's some people, if I shared this with my family members, some of them are not very accepting of it. And yet they've gotten into situations where they've come to me and, you know, and and ask me (laughs) questions. So it's like, can you have it both ways? Can you not accept me for what I'm doing? Uh. I still want to, um, um, but I think the other thing that, that I found also just, uh, really intriguing that you were sharing is, you know, we talk about associate remote viewing, but, and, and practicing some of these things, but I think you shared in your book, kind of the archetype of the gambler and how, you know, in Hawaiian culture, maybe that the gamblers, you know, some people say, well, are oh, you using remote viewing or these, these abilities to make money? But I, I think you shared in, in Hawaiian culture, this is, this is a totally different perception, right? The gamblers kind of celebrated and using these skills to. So um, I thought that was really interesting as well. I, I've seen some people kind of struggle about, you know, if you can, you know, quite <laughs> honestly, looking at associate remote viewing, where a professional gambler might be making fifty-two percent accuracy rate, and then uh, I think those of us who actually know are kind of in on the know, you know, a little bit. Your your accuracy rate can be much higher, obviously, with, with psychic ability.
0: So kind of right, right now I'm hitting at about seventy-four percent. Goodness gracious, are you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, you're going to have a lot of
1: people. Anyone who watches this video and, not, <laughs> uh, and get in your associate remote viewing classes, but that, that's amazing. So you See, that's refi- just... you refined your method for many years, right? Looking at associate yeah. remote
0: viewing, and actually, that's just um, that's just using the um, the predict the prediction part, seventy four percent. Okay, for um, if I take a look at the um, the predictions that I take action on. Um, then you took taking a look at the high 80s, low 90 percent. <laughs> wow! Okay. And so you know, on the, I, on the I was best, going best that I actually me, my accuracy. Do. Rate <laughs> <different>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna bring up something. Oh, hold on. you see that? I do. Uh, feedback target.
1: So, th- is this is this for some of the professional work that you're doing, looking at market? Yep, it's- yep.
0: So wow. uh, this this particular one is, um, you know, is the work that I did, and it shows the process that I use. So, uh, Omega is um, something that we do on Fridays. Okay, and here's a TRN. And this was the uh, the date for this. So um, <clears throat> I got my TRN six six uh, six three five four, and I drew this right over here. So you can see something that uh, right in the middle of the target. There's something standing up and space. And then two sections basically. <laughs> and how many people are there here? Three. There you go. Yeah, three people. So there's something kind of like standing up on some kind of line. And so when I looked at the um the choices, I got this one right here. Yeah. You know? So um I had three people, in the line up there, and something like partition, yeah, separated. So I chose this and this um target choice uh was uh Associative remote viewing, and this target was associated with uh, up. Okay, so that the the spider or the Standard and Poor five hundred ETF was gonna um, go up that day, and the end result, if you look at it, the opening bid was four hundred two point one four. And I believe on this day, um, the cut point was something like 3.6. Mm. So if you look uh, at 3.6 to this, uh, you're looking at, um, you know, 405.7. Um, so by closing out at uh, 407.41, we were way above. So this is a successful uh, prediction right here. (laughs)
1: How 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 long do you find? So um, I haven't been doing associate remote viewing for long. In my practice, I can see the geometries of the site. Uh, I I get a lot more visual data before I get anything else. So it, it they're fairly quick for me. But when looking at your short structure here, like how long does it take you kind of to? to engage the target and the more you've done this i'm sure have you found like that it's become a, a, a fairly quick process for you to to kind of get this high level data or even you know even your sketch is not high level data that's pretty that's uh, a lot of correlation to the target
0: yeah actually when um i spend more time in a uh, cool down i spend about 10 minutes in cool down but uh when I take the TRN to Blackboard, my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, from the time I place it in my mind and I get my first snapshot, it's just like a quick click. And I have to remember what I see and the sensations and I draw. Um, so this would be my, um, my sketch. So the first thing that I drew was this big white, white thing. And I started listing down things. So. It took me less than five minutes to do that. <laughs> so I just did it as quickly as I could without thinking. It's, so. <laughs> it's
1: it's uh and so watching those things just kind of bubble up in your mind that that come yep. there. Yep, that's amazing. Yep. How how um how long have you been doing the associate remote viewing and practicing it, David? Has it been?
0: Um, I started associative remote viewing back in uh,
1: 2011. So this is a question I would I would pose to you, and it's it's not a fair question. It's sort of a philosophical question, if you will. But those are always interesting ones. So um, you know, looking at the broadening awareness of remote viewing or psychic functioning, and uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting things going on these days where people are coming back to these things. But, but the truth is, a lot of us are not following the same rules as everyone else. <laughs> you know, some of us know that it's possible to, to look into the future and, and to see with some accuracy. So yeah, if you, uh, I don't know if you think this world could ever really occur, but if the public began to have a broader awareness and really take psychic functioning real, you know, Ingo Swann wrote um, about this idea of a psychic renaissance where people began to actually realize this, this role of a trusted psychic advisor and bringing that back. But I wonder how people will perceive the fact that that, that we've been using these abilities. You know, we, uh, we're we not exactly, uh, uh, we're not approaching some of these challenges like sports betting, where you might have to go out and research all the players. When I sports bet, I, I don't, don't know anything about the players and I don't know anything about the sports. Instead, I'm just looking for that feedback loop to, to you know, exactly. what's going to happen in the future.
0: So exactly. I'm curious how,
1: how you, how you view that, where, where, where that might go.
0: <laughs> My, Uh, My suggestion to my students when they start um, asking me for, uh, you know, details like how do you do this and um, is there a right or wrong way? I go, "Uh, there's a right way for you to do it. (laughs) There's a right way for you to do it. Whatever works for you. Says, what do you mean? as well if you can pull it out of your orifice <laughs> <laughs> i would like to be a lawyer. for you that's <laughs> fine <laughs> you know and, and you know you, uh, you can you can do that um you know so um psychic revelation comes in many forms and the amazing thing is that i'm a, i'm a trained tarot reader now yeah In fact, I took a class uh, from this guy named uh, Richard Knight, and um, I went through his training and everything, and I used uh, tarot. In fact, earlier today, I had uh, two readings that I gave, but um, when I have the tarot cards lined up in front of me, when I pull everything for a, a client, it's almost like a huge rv session hmm. for me because um the the pictures that i'm looking at yeah there's a um, assigned meaning to this but as you put them next to each other it tells a story and um my abilities to you know psychic abilities kicks in and i can see the hidden things that's going on you know a deeper meaning into this so Um, I see the cards that I pull um, as almost like um, getting feedback for a remote viewing session.
1: That's fascinating.
0: So um, it makes even more sense to the tarot, um, to the tarot interpretation that I have. So all of this um, have a tendency of, um, you know, I, I find myself that the the new things that I start learning, um it's coming my way at the right time um to add to my tool chest to make me a better um person to help people better and easier. Um before I used to um do my psychic readings using ARV. <laughs> I mean people um my good friend uh he was seeing two women (laughs) and he he says dave which one should i do Uh, which one should i focus on this this has to be one of the weirdest psychic questions ever (laughs) Yeah, which one you know which one and so i says okay give me the names i wrote them down and uh, i have my um (laughs) <laughs> I I have my packet back here. Hold on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Here's
0: my targets. Here's my targets. So for my targets, I pulled two pictures. It says, describe the picture in this envelope. If the first woman is the right person for my friend. <laughs> Pulled another <laughs> one. Described the um, describe the photo in this envelope. If the second woman is right for my friend. And so I just trusted and drew out a sketch. And I tell you, when I drew, I drew a quick sketch. Just came out and filled out as much information as I can. I opened the first envelope. No. Gone second envelope <laughs> was just like I was trying this stuff and looking at the picture. Wow. <laughs> so I, I call him up. I says, You know what? Um, your uh, your second choice, Tanya, is the person that you should uh focus on. Within a year, he got married to, uh, to her, and they're still happily married. <laughs> 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 so <laughs>
1: How did, how did you meet your uh, significant other? Well, my friend, who's a psychic, did a social remote viewing to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wonderful story. I, I love too how you're using those skills to be able to help your friends and your family with practical, real, real world kind of questions. So that's that's amazing.
0: You see, um, and that's that's the thing. Trying to, I'm trying to get across to um, a lot of these um, uh, people who do RV. Who says you know you can you can go halfway around the galaxy if you want to describe an object somewhere you know on on some aliens uh you know body <laughs> 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 or <who. laughs> you know um you can do that but what's the practical application it's a great point yeah yeah how are you gonna? How are you gonna use this in in, in everyday life? For me, that's why I stick with uh, ARV because it has practical applications. And like for me, I'm not afraid to try something new. <laughs> um, like a lot of people are saying, "Hey, a horse races. There's six horses. How do you solve that? Well, if I get six horses running in a race." I draw six envelopes, each one representing a horse <laughs> and tell me, um, you know, I asked myself, show me the right envelope, you know, um, that represent the winning horse. And a um, couple summers ago when Justify won the triple count, Justify, the the horse, uh, the last triple Crown winner, um, I was doing... Uh, more horse racing and it was interesting that every time that justify was in a, in a race um, he stood out really easy That sounds awesome so yeah um be creative you know uh, use your mind to um you know find practical applications for the skills that you're learning otherwise you're just wasting your time
1: and that that kind of stood out to me I'm, I'm only been doing any of this for a year and and then you know things from my childhood and stuff that i had kind of flooded back in into my life to be honest but it stands out to me that you know you can people can understand that that you can see through space and time and not be dogmatic about that but they get yeah. the protocols and they become very dogmatic about the protocol like in remote oh, viewing, yeah. as opposed nah. to like you said like being very creative and thinking like oh how the different ways i can use it and can i expand it and how do i you know, is, are there ways to, so, you know, it, and also you made me think about, you know, these traditional methods of the people were tapping into the same ability. If you're, you know, uh, augury, if you're looking at like intestines and they would draw them out to, you know, to, to read somebody's future by looking at entrails or, you know, That's scrying, nice. looking into a bowl of water. It seems like all of these methods are just ways to get down to that same fundamental inner truth That's that you have. Um, and uh, so I, I really I find your your tarot practice really fascinating. That you're getting that same kind of you know remote viewing experience as you're getting those uh, that information coming up as you as you look at that. So yeah. it's almost like almost like the tarot cards are a TRN or, or just a, an objective that are yeah. bringing information up to you.
0: Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, just like when I choose an envelope, so show me the picture here that meaning you know that means something. And so when I have the um, when I have the tarot cards in front of me, that's what I'm doing. It says um, you know I, I want to take a look at a person's finances. Well show me the right card out of all of these cards. show me the one that describes my client's uh, financial health right now. Yeah. Right. and I'm led to a certain card. So it's an extension of everything that I've been doing. <laughs>
1: This is not a fair question for you at all, right? Because it's not, it's not one that I think anyone really feels that, uh, you know, there's a lot of scientists who think they're going to come up with the answer for this. And I've, I've met a few of them, but you know, what do you think Dave? So uh, all the, the way that this, you know, the way that psychic functioning works and you know, you and I talk about time loops and I think we understand what we're talking about that sometimes you see something that kind of is information. It feels like it's coming back to you from, but um, I think other times we've probably had experiences where it feels like that it's not that it's something much bigger and broader that the information is coming from for us. So in, in your experience, you know, looking at psychic functioning, you know, what, why do you feel that we're imbued with this as 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 human beings? And, and you know, some people might say it's just something going on in the brain. They start talking about quantum science or all this. Um, I see your smile. I don't know if that's the way that you would per- perceive it as well.
0: <laughs> Actually, I tie it back to our ancestors, who we were. In the past, Um, our ancestors lived in dangerous times. Their key to survival was uh, understanding the signs and omens that was available in nature. And they learned how to read it. They learned how to read the signs. And um, so these things that we we looking at, uh, remote viewing, ESP, whatever, and so from, these were developed, you know, generations ago. And uh, the way people are talking about it now is just like it's something new. It's not. It's been something that's been in our DNA for thousands of years. It's just that now we're realizing that, um, you know, with all of the technology that we have, there's something missing in us. And that's what I keep on hearing from a lot of clients who are going through this awakening. Something's missing. There's something missing. There's something inside me that um, makes me realize I'm greater than what I am. And there's things that inside me that needs to be awakened. And so can you help me? And so my job is to try and discover that with my clients. So it's something that goes back generations and generations ago the key to that is survival if you know what's coming up in the future and you can prepare for it that guarantees survival to the next day and passing the genes to the next generation if you don't have that ability and stuff if you're living in ancestors uh, and um, you know Part of the ancestors get the idea that uh, there's going to be a a saber-toothed tiger that's going to be munching on one of you. And, you know, six guys in a group get get the message. The seventh guy never got the message, never got the memo. He's going to be cat food. (laughs) 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 So he's eliminated from the gene pool and all of these other guys who got the message, got this idea get it to pass it on to the next so that's why i believe um you know the when scientists are looking for why is this happening comes down to survival yeah it's a survival it's a tool for survival and you know you're gonna notice that as make people make more predictions or an interesting person to follow um is uh, Dick Allgaier. Do You follow him? Uh, he'll make that. yeah. He'll make predictions um, on headline news. Yeah, he'll draw headline news and things like that. But um, a lot of his predictions on these things are very accurate. They, they come out. Yeah. So uh, the more and more we get in tune to that, we and um, the more uh, people develop that. And so far more likely that uh, we'll survive <laughs> whatever coming up. Right. So that's the way I answer that question. <laughs>
1: great answer. I've heard Joe McGonigal talk about that before thinking that, you know, we're really just using a channel that, that we've always had. And, you know, I guess the most common psychic experience, even if people aren't trying to develop these skills is, you know, if you're uh, about to run into a dangerous situation and talk about soldiers who have a sudden premonition that they shouldn't, you know, go down a certain uh, route, um, or that there could be a, a dangerous booby trap waiting, and and that's uh, yeah. so that's that's fascinating. Well, yeah. Um, uh, you, yeah. You're,
0: go ahead. <laughs> uh, I um, along that lines, um, you know, I live uh, in Central Oahu, and in order to get to my workplace um, in um, you know close to South Shore of Oahu uh it's a drive of 17 miles one way okay and it takes about 45 minutes and it's busy normally. and uh when i was still working a lot of times i'm sitting at my computer and my wife says dave you need to get on the road and i look at her and says this is a bad time to go Just what are you doing here he says this is a bad time to go it's not a good time for me to be on the road uh it's annoying yeah and sure enough uh when i jump on a car and start heading out uh i just missed an accident wow <laughs>
1: cool. you know that, the habit of listening to, to that little inner voice has
0: become a very important part of I, yeah,
1: yeah absolutely.
0: Because if my, if I don't listen to that small voice and stuff, I'm going to get slapped in the head by a bigger man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to remember that
2: one. Must, uh, <laughs>
1: that's, that's good I'm going to carry that one around. Um, I can't possibly go through. You have so much in your story. So I really encourage people to go and, and, and read one, um, your books. You have several that are out there but journey of, of our souls. I just like the title too, by the way, and the way you approach that, not, not just about your journey, but how you tried to articulate that as, as being people being thoughtful for, for their own journey and trying to find their, their highest purpose and, and what, uh, what we're all, you know, trying to figure out what we're here to do and help others. But I I, I would be remiss to to leave this out too, because uh, I've also like, it fascinates me because you and I were were joking around about this in email, but I know you started this, a, a fictional series around Anna blaze. And the fact That's that you, right. you you have superpowers. <laughs> but, <laughs> you really started, so it fascinates me that you're writing about this about a young girl who, who's going through these experiences and has these. Um, would you would you mind sharing a little bit of what, what kind of motivated and inspired you to, to start that that fictional series?
0: Yeah, um you you're correct that um I was trying to create a character that um experienced the same type of um you know, issues I did as a gifted child, uh, trying to grow up in a, uh, in society while being, um, while trying to hide a lot of the things that I was capable of, of doing and seeing. And so, uh, Anna Blaze is a, a product of that. And, uh, a lot of the things that uh, I wish I could do as a child, uh, comes out in her. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Things you wish you could have gotten away with. It. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. My wife always joked because uh, one of one of the dreams that I that I keep on getting. Um, and my wife kind of cautioned me. Um, because she knows me in my dreams. When I dream about something, it's showing me something that I'm capable of doing you know and uh it seems that in several of my dreams people are picking on um someone i love and care for mm. and when i intervene and they try and hurt me these people are much bigger more powerful than me and uh, i just look at them and i raise my hands and i say no um and they turn to dust. <laughs> so, this is a superpower you're going to develop. Going to you teach it to me. I promise I won't use it. Maybe that's a new meaning to the hands. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and you know sometimes um, you know this this energy inside. I mean, um, there's things that i've been able to do in the environment uh i share a story with you but uh, one, one year my wife and i were watching um new year's and our neighbor is a pyromaniac He was blowing up firecrackers and everything <laughs> and uh, we're watching his fireworks and the wind started blowing the smoke towards our house and I looked, my wife looked behind and says, Oh, we forgot to close our windows. And she w- tried to walk away. And I just held her. I says, no, stay here. I says, what? I says, here, this is what I'm gonna do. And I held my hands out like this. And the wind was blowing down straight towards our house. Then the smoke was coming down towards our house and was gonna about to enter our property. And I held my hand out. And the wind came from this side and blew the the smoke away from us and into our neighbor, <laughs> into <laughs> our neighbor's house. <host. laughs> but the smoke just uh, coming down straight towards us, and then all of a sudden just went whoop move. And this wind wasn't a, wasn't a, a strong wind, but it was just enough to push it push everything on that side so the smoke didn't go to our house in fact it didn't even come into our property and my wife is over there you're kidding me <laughs> so, oh no um you know, i just asked i i just asked and um you know you can always ask and you know, whether or not nature to answer and agree that's up to them you know and I'm not going to force it, anything, but since nature did take care of that, I said, Marlo, thank you. Thank you for your um, you know, taking care of us. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> it. It makes me think, you know, once once you start seeing that you don't have all the answers, right, you get, you get a humility to you when you start realizing, like, the, the world's a lot more magical than we realize. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But, you know, you start I was reading about stories of these Western scientists who had gone to Tibet and uh, the Dalai Lama was evidently there and they were going to have a a procession for a funeral. And there was a lot of bad weather. And he went to a friend of his who was uh, a a monk, a sage there, I guess, in some way. And said, "Could you know, let's not have that happen. And evidently he did some practice. And to the the astonishment of, of the Western scientists, there was evidently a circle of sunshine that followed the procession and all the rain was around it. So you know what strikes me is like maybe to your point, Dave, uh, uh, we've we've lost knowledge of who we are, right? In our in our broadest sense, and so our very ideas of our own limitations maybe become these boxes that bound us in. And when we start being like a child and have that yeah. innocence, not really to say, well, we don't really know, you know, like who would have the thought like you did? You express your intent to to cause something yeah. to happen, and uh, I think you shared earlier, you know, if you have that belief in your heart. And, and you have that that mind of a child to, that people hear the mind of a child and it sounds, you know, in, in our culture now, it sounds terrible, right? That, that we're somehow we're naive or that we're, but I think mm-hmm. to me, I started to realize that maybe there's a power in that, that I feel that to, to come at the world with that spirit. So you're yeah. still sort of me of that.
0: Yeah, what's interesting is that uh, what you just described about this monk in the fernal, uh, funeral uh, happened to me when I was taking my my granddaughter and her husband Uh, actually it was a boyfriend at that time and we took them riding, um, on a North shore and I wanted to show them a beach. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to show them a beach that was, uh, important to me and where I got my, uh, initiated as a Kahu and it was raining, raining, raining. And, um, My wife and I was in one car, and they were following us in the back. And so when they got to the spot, um, I parked the car, and it was raining outside. And uh, my wife says, well, um, you know, this rain needs to go away. We need to wait. And I says, well, um, you know, let me see what I can do. And I just said a small prayer. I says, take the rain away just for a little bit. Because I need to show my uh, my granddaughter this place. <laughs> I opened the car door. The rain stopped. But just around our two cars. <laughs> <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> my, my granddaughter and boyfriend came. And they're looking at it. Raining on every, every place else. But right where we're at, that stuff is not raining. So I came. I pointed at him out. And right when I got through explaining about the place, and uh, they got back into the car. We got back into a car, and I says, oh, "Mahalo, ranking up. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so all it takes is one
1: time for that to happen, and, and like you know, they're going to be coming to you forever to to, to bring the nice weather. To um, that's, yeah. that's
0: well, that's why a lot of people ask me to uh, get involved in the planning of outdoor events. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I um. Well, there's so many things I could ask you. I really have enjoyed our conversation so much. And I just wanted to, to to say too, when I first got into some of this and trying to figure out remote viewing and some of the things that came with it, you you were very willing to jump on a call with me, not even knowing who I was. And I think your spirit and your service just really came through because you were so kind to you be willing to share some stories with me when I was just trying to a little bewildered, <laughs> to be honest, you're trying to figure out what was going on and and how much I appreciated that. Um and so welcome. is, I guess, the parting question for you, for those of us who are finding ourselves and I, I think some of us in the past few years feel like we've just been drug into this world, whether we want it to be or not, you just. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so for those of us who are kind of walking this path, do you have any advice for us on from your years of experience you know, what are what are some things that that might be the most important
0: things for us to remember? Um, the, the most important, um, thing to remember is that this is an individual journey. Yeah. And, um, we're, we're on this journey, um, to make ourselves better people. And so who's the best guide for that to determine that? Us. Okay. And, um, sometimes when I listen too much to, um, these people who are entrenched, and, and certain dogma. Um, you know, they, uh, they're there as gatekeepers. You know, they're there as gatekeepers. Uh, uh, one, one of the main reasons why I, I stay away from uh, organized um, remote viewing um, people is that they're more interested in proving that RV works and, you know, Um, following the protocols and following the bright guidelines, blah, 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 blah. And um, I'm over there. I says, why are you guys worried so much about what other people uh, think? You know, it works. So who cares? (laughs) You know, who cares? But um, since this is an individual journey and so forth, you know, there's a lot of different ways of doing the same thing. And don't be afraid to explore and use your mind. Because if you just stick to what's out there, um, you know, in the strict guidelines, there's only uh you're only limiting yourself because there's much, much more vast world and uh, I, I know some people um, take a look at natural clairvoyance or uh, natural psychics. And so that's the worst people to teach remote viewing because they don't follow protocols. Say, so, yeah, I, uh, I can tell you what you can do with your protocols. <laughs> <laughs> because those things don't work for me. And that's not how I operate, you know. And so uh, it's just like a cookie-cutter approach. Everybody fit in the same, you know, thing. But we're not cookies. We're not dough, you know. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to be cookie. I want to be a nice um, dobash cake. <laughs> 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 yeah. <You know? laughs> <laughs> and uh have so, a, a specific destiny in mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know just be open to a lot of different things um in, in my journey i went through a lot of different schools um shaman uh, shamanic training i took a look at that and um you know i still expanding so never stop learning because you're going to find uh unexpected uh, knowledge that you can use to perfect what you're trying to accomplish yeah
1: well David, thank you so much thank you for sharing your stories um, your, um sharing your wisdom i feel like i've talked to the jedi master so um i also mentioned i'll put some links up when i post uh, youtube but you you are a teacher there's a lot of services that you offer online and put some links up there but I just really appreciate your time. So appreciate all, you, all you're doing. And, and thank you for spending some of that time with me today.
2: All right. It was fun. Thank you. <laughs>